0: This week on Writers Inc.
1: When I see people first starting, um, one of the main things that in my mind is just too much, they're putting too many words in their ad. And they want to pack all the information into one ad but really you want to try to do it visually so for example instead of saying you can get your book on all these platforms maybe do a collage so you show a book an e-reader and a phone so that your person your reader can glance at that and it visually tells them they can get the book in these formats but you don't need the words to spell that out.
0: Whether you are traditionally published or indie, writing a good book is only the first step in becoming a successful author. The days of just turning a manuscript into your editor and walking away are gone. If you want to succeed in today's publishing world, you need to understand every aspect of the business. Editing, formatting, marketing, contracts. It all starts with a good book. Then the real work begins. Join international best-selling author J.D. Barker and indie powerhouse Jay Thorne as they gain unique insight and valuable advice from the most prolific and accomplished authors in the business. The publishing world is changing, adapting. Do you have what it takes to become a full-time writer? If you're willing to do the work, we'll give you the tools. Get your notepad out, school's in session. This is Writer's Inc.
2: J.D., how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Um, construction noise is back, so you may hear some of that going on behind me. Oh, uh, what do we got going on this week? Bathrooms. Bathrooms, oh. bathrooms, bathrooms. <laughs> um, yeah, so our, our contractor, we've, he finally came back in, and he's he's been working on that. We've got a porch going out out front. Um, so there's a, the occasional saw just busting in and the one bathroom is like directly above my office so I just I keep hearing these like giant pounding noises where it sounds like a body dropping and it, it's probably you know like a 2 by 4 or something but yeah so that's going on um, a lot of craziness in the news uh, <laughs> I, I mentioned uh, Wonder Woman the other day going you know directly to HBO um, Warner Brothers just announced yesterday they're doing that for entire their entire slate for 2021 did you hear yes, about that
3: I did Zach, Zach messaged me about that too
2: yeah, so we've got, um, there's a new Dune movie, which I, I knew nothing about. Um, apparently there's another Matrix movie coming out, which I knew nothing about. Um, but yeah, everything that Warner's brother, Warner Brothers has are releasing in the theater and on HBO Max on the same day, which was going to be interesting, I guess. Um, our, our local theater has been shuttered for, for months. Um, there's one in Pittsburgh that I still get an email from, you know, like every Thursday they, they list, you know, whatever's playing in the, in the various theaters. And I think there's like one, you know, what I would consider a new release it's a Liam Neeson movie, but like everything else is like, is old stuff. Like they're playing diehard and, and things like that <laughs> in there.
3: Yeah. I, Zach asked me this question. I'll, I'll ask the same to you. Like are movie theaters done? Like, are, are we looking at the end of the, the mass movie theater, the way they've been for the past 50
2: years? I don't know. I mean, I, I honestly hope not. I mean, I I love going to the movies. I mean, we're we've got a great home theater here at the house, but you know, it, it's still it's not the same thing. You know, there's just something cool about seeing certain movies with a big group of people and, you know, and, and that kind of thing. Um, David Murrell just put out a tweet. There there was a law years back that was passed that prohibited studios from actually owning movie theaters, um, and that got repealed a few years ago. So at this point, the, the movie studios could step in if they wanted to and buy those. And I, I think he's on to something there because I've got a feeling if, you know, some of these, you know, like the, the one by us, I mean, it's a, you know, I, I think an 18 Cineplex, you know, deal. Um, it's shuttered with a for lease sign on, on the front. Like anybody could step in. I could see the studios picking some of these up, you know, for a song and, and possibly either starting some kind of new company or, you know, just bringing it into the fold or whatever. Because it, it, the other, I mean, if that actually happens, like movie theaters go away, the profit margins are going to shrink too, which means smaller movies. And, you know, I, I don't know that everybody is, is ready for that. You know, like people want Wonder Woman to be a $200 million film, they don't want it to be a $4 million film. Um, you know, like we, it, you can't really backtrack that kind of thing. Um, I, 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 honestly do think though, once this virus and everything is behind us, you know, like a year or two in the rear view, all of this stuff is going to come back in some form or another in, in five years from now. I think it's going to be a blip on the radar. Um, it's just really all about how they're going to get through these next couple of years.
3: Well, in the last award season, there was a lot of speculation that Netflix might start purchasing movie theaters because that was keeping them from having some of their films eligible for, for different awards. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there, there could be some really, it, it could be, those spaces could be repurposed in an interesting way in, in another couple of years.
2: Yeah. I mean, Amazon could step in. There's these companies that are, you know, just forming out of, you know, they, they were nothing. They didn't exist, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And, and now they're, they're players in that industry for sure. Um, speaking of that, I got an email from, from KDP. They're starting a new beta. They invited me to participate. Um, they're doing hardcovers. Have you heard about that? Oh, I haven't heard that. Yeah, so I, I don't know much about it. I mean, the, it basically just had a link in there where I could go to a page, and it just you know mentioned that they're going to be uh, be producing hardcovers on a on a beta uh, system. They're only inviting a few people to try it, um, but it, it didn't go beyond that. So I just I clicked on the little agree button. And I, I'm an, I'm gonna check it out, but I'm not sure how that's gonna play in the the big scheme of things. I mean, because personally, like I've got deals with Baker and Taylor. I've got you know Ingram Spark. Um, I I don't know that bookstores would buy direct from from Amazon. Um, that being said I mean you know how the the pricing system works with with companies like Ingram you know they they without going into a whole lot of detail you have to severely discount your books in order to get them out the door Um, you know so I don't know how that's going to work I mean if Amazon is able to undercut those printing costs and get it to the point where I can produce a hardcover and make an extra two or three dollars on it or a bigger profit margin you know that that's going to shake things up too so I I guess we'll see where that goes but um, that kind of came out of left field I wasn't expecting that
3: I'm assuming it's a print-on-demand hardback
2: yeah, I'm guessing it's it's got to be. I mean they're probably using the same factories or elves or systems or whatever it is <laughs> they've got in place to produce the the soft covers. Um, and they're probably doing it in the, the same places. Um, but it, it, there's like there's literally no detail. I mean the, the information they sent me didn't really provide anything and I, I did a couple Google searches trying to find something out and um, nobody's really talking about it yet. so I don't think they've shared.
3: Hmm. Well, in uh, unrelated news, but somewhat related, I was keeping my eye on the on the Kindle charts. Did your surprise book bub get you guys to number one in the Kindle store?
2: Oh, you, you know where I ended up. Oh, <laughs> no. <think>. Really? <laughs> number two again. <laughs> um, yeah, for whatever reason, I'm always a bridesmaid. So, yeah, it, it hit number two in the, the Kindle on um, Amazon bookstore, and it, it hung there for close to a week. Um, they they went all out. It, there was a Cyber Monday deal. You know, Patterson put it out on his, his mailing list. It was on BookBub. It was on Book Gorilla. Like all, all those different uh, lists out there. Uh, but we couldn't beat American Dirt. Um, that that book is just holding on in the, the number one slot. Um, so I, I I was you know refreshing the screen. I have a little program <laughs> on my computer that does screen captures once an hour. You know just in case I yeah because that kind of thing always happens at like three o'clock in the morning when you're not looking. Um, But nope, got stuck at number two. And I I think right now it's at number five. I'm not even sure. I, I stopped looking.
3: Wow. Okay, I had no
2: idea. I was like, "Oh man, it's got to hit number one at least for like an hour, like two hours," you know? <laughs> yeah, that that's all it takes. But yeah, my agent she emailed me. She's like, "Should I be watching the Times list again?" And I said, "Yeah, you can, but you know, all I care about is number one. <laughs> you know, like, if it's not gonna hit that, it's you know like been there, done that, which is it's so silly to to think about. But that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I I can't print number two bestseller on my my book covers. It's it would Be weird, yeah. Um, I need, I'm either a New York Times bestseller or I'm a number one New York Times bestseller, um, so I've, I've got to do that one. Um, that brings up something else that I saw, and I wanted to research this before we got on the air, but I didn't get a chance. I, I heard, um, through I think it was the Dead Robot Society, um, where they were talking about this, another podcast. Um, but an author, and I believe the book title was called The Crucible, or the series was called The Crucible. Um, he had it, it's an eight book series, and this author put the first seven out for free um, when he launched the eighth book, and, and I could have the facts wrong here because I'm just kind of recalling what I, what I heard, um, but essentially that got his, his eighth book to the number one spot in the Kindle store. Um, which I thought was interesting. I don't think I've ever seen anybody put, you know, seven books in a series for free out there in order to, you know, bring in the the traffic. But um, apparently that's that's crazy. Yeah. But, you know, people will go to whatever links to be able to get those, those little monikers now and being able to say that you're a number one Amazon bestseller is, you know, it's right up there. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I'm going to have to look that up when we're done. I, I hadn't heard that story. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the series is called The Crucible, or the book is called The Crucible. And I and yeah, I'm terrible at homework. I really should have got the details before we got on the air. I just didn't get a chance.
3: Yeah, cool, cool. Well, uh, let's let's get uh, get moving here. Uh, Kobo Writing Life empowers you, the author, to take your self-publishing career into your own hands with simple tools to publish your books in any country you please. You get to uh, set your price, keep all your rights, and there's all kind of monthly promotional opportunities. So if you're interested, head on over to KoboWritingLife.com, and there will be a link in the show notes.
2: Cool. So who do we have on today? We have Kathleen Sweeney of Bookbrush. Oh, nice. I'm a big fan of Book Brush. Have yeah, I, I have. Yeah. Are you using it too? Yeah, I mean, I've tried all the the other systems out there. I mean, I've got Photoshop on my computer and, you know, every time I load it up, I just get completely intimidated because it's one of those things where I think you have to either be willing to spend like 40 hours watching YouTube videos and and learn a big chunk of the features or um, you're like me where you just get scared away when you see that much. Um, I tried Canva for a little while, which is kind of like um, Photoshop Lite. Um, but I, I just, you know, again, it was just, it was too much work to get anything that, that looked professional. Um, book, book brushes, it's fantastic. I mean, you just upload your book covers and a couple little tweaks and you can create some very professional looking graphics, um, just in, in under a few minutes. I love it.
3: Yeah, I do too. There's so many templates that are specifically designed for authors in the author business, and that's what's great. You don't have to search for that perfect stock photo or find the rights to something. like It's already preloaded in there, and like you said, you just drag your book cover image file in, and you can get it manipulated in so many different ways. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to talk to Kathleen today and hear a little bit more about what Bookbrush does. Cool. Well, here she is, Kathleen Sweeney. Is it true you are from normal Illinois?
1: Yes. (laughs) Yes, I am. (laughs) Uh, Tell me how
3: that town was named.
1: Well, actually, it's kind of an interesting story. So the university that's here, and it's named after the university, was for teachers to begin with, and it was for normal teachers. And that was where you went to go to school to learn to be a normal teacher. And so the town then got its name as normal. So I do. I live in normal Illinois. That is,
3: that's, I I knew there was a story there, right? Like I knew. And luckily I knew the answer. Yes.
1: Yes. (laughs) I went to, I went to Illinois state. And so you kind of learn that lore as you go along.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Cause it could have been like a family name or something. Who knows? Right. You know, true,
1: true. No, but it came from the university and it it was called um, Illinois state normal university when it was first um, named. And then they dropped the normal out of the name of the university
3: fascinating. I would yep. love to have seen a photograph of all the abnormal teachers who did not get into the university at that time.
1: Well, we're so desensitized, I think, <laughs> to saying that we're from normal when we travel and you give your address, people give you a second look like, <laughs> so you're normal or you're, you're abnormal. Right. We're normal.
3: Yeah. And I, I can vouch, even though uh, this is a podcast, uh, we're doing this via video and I'm looking at you, Kathleen, and you look very normal.
1: Oh, good, good. Thanks. Yeah, I can right. I can fool some of the people some of the time, right? <laughs> <laughs>
3: all right. Well, let's skip a little bit ahead then from the founding of your of your hometown and and talk sure. about uh, Bookbrush. Uh, why don't Why don't we start with like if people or authors have never heard of Bookbrush, what is it?
1: Book Brush is an online platform that we built specifically for authors to be able to create their own eye-catching, professional-looking images, and it's really easy. Um, it started out with just um, one piece, just image creation, and then we added some features along the way, some video effects and other types of things, uh, most recently a cover creator. It's growing and changing all the time, but it's specifically a service for authors.
3: yes. Yes. Uh, I'm I'm excited to start uh, using BookBrush. I just recently discovered it, and uh, was looking through the website, and uh, you know, uh, got a great testimonial there from Mark Dawson. So you know, that's a, that that's definitely a feather in your cap. Uh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I I think the maybe the go-to, especially for the DIY authors who maybe run their own ads or develop their own social media uh, graphics, was Canva. So um, can you talk about how bookbrush is different than canva?
1: We kind of say it's Canva for authors. So it has a lot more specific author industry related things. So you can do some of the same types of things you can with text boxes and um, so forth. But when it comes to drilling down to what authors need, we have over 90 different book templates that you can find They're 3D book templates and author industry related. We call them stamps, but they're logos and things for Kindle Unlimited. Those are all in there for you. And so it gives you those author tools.
3: Excellent, excellent. Yeah, and I, I um, you know, Canva is great, but it seems as though as time has gone on, they've put more and more of their content behind a paywall of some sort. And so you're not <laughs> left with much, you know, or, or you're left using some a few great images that everybody's using. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, right, and you want yours to be unique and eye catching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you've
3: been at at Bookbrush for uh, a little over a year, if I if I'm uh, if my research is correct. So, can you talk about what attracted you to become part of the team?
1: I was actually working with them um, on the side a little bit, helping um, before I was able to go full time, and I just love working with authors because. Well, for one thing, they say things so nicely, like you get an email from an author and it's so well-written and so eloquent. It's like such a pleasure to do business with these guys. And the creativity part really speaks to me. I love that um, every time I do a demo or a webinar and use a new book that I haven't seen new to me, it's fun to put together an image and brainstorm what would be good for a background and complimentary for that new book. And so it's something that's always growing and changing.
3: Excellent. Excellent. And what's your uh, what's your official role at uh, at Bookbrush?
1: I am a jack of all trades, so let's go with uh, marketing lead and the customer service liaison. So if you send in a support ticket or anything like that, I'm your person that most most of the time will be answering those. And then um, from a marketing standpoint, I do a lot of webinars and demos and things like that to help people see that it really is an easy tool to use and get a feel for how to do those things.
3: Great. Okay. Uh, so let's maybe dig in a little bit on the um, marketing side as it pertains to authors. Uh, I'm always, I know like I want to know what to do, right? But I'm always curious, like with, with people in your position, you probably work with many authors um, day in and day out. So you start to see trends or you start to see themes. What's, uh, what are some of the things that, that most authors get wrong when it comes to ads or social media graphics?
1: When I see people first starting, um, one of the main things that in my mind is just too much they're putting too many words in their ad and they want to pack all the information into one ad. But really, you want to try to do it visually. So, for example, instead of saying you can get your book on all these platforms, maybe do a collage. So you show a book, an e-reader, and a phone so that your person, your reader, can glance at that. And it visually tells them they can get the book in these formats, but you don't need the words to spell that out. Um you also don't need to put the entire blurb of your book into your Facebook ad. Maybe one strong quote or let the um background or the cover, the pictures tell the story for you a little bit. Less is more, I think from a word perspective.
3: Excellent. Uh that's helpful. Um what uh let's talk for a minute about some of the specific platforms. Um like Facebook for example. I I know uh, that at one point Facebook didn't allow any text on the image, and and then they relaxed that rule. But it but it's still a best practice to to put minimal text uh, on your image. So, you know, how much is too much, or or should you put any text at all on it?
1: I've heard the rule of thumb, 20% of your image um, would be text or no more than 20%. And I don't believe it counts any text that's on your actual book cover that's in the ad. But I definitely think less is more. So just try to make sure that it's not super crowded with words. And what you do have, you want in a nice legible font that's complementary to your book. So if you don't have a romance, you don't want a swirly twirly type of font in there. You want something that matches. Yes.
3: Yes. Yeah. The, um, the, some of the plat, like, well, Amazon ads, for example, you you know, you're not using graphics for that. So how, or do they do the, do the, uh, graphics and what, what's required on them change from platform to platform, or can you kind of make a, a standard image that you can use in multiple places?
1: The answer is both. So there are different requirements as far as the image size and the pixels, and we have different templates for each of those, so you don't have to do that research. So for example, the Facebook horizontal ad is 1,200 pixels by 628 pixels, but then Instagram is 1080 by 1080, so that's a square. But once you get your design and say, okay, I know I want this type of background, and this is is my theme, you can create each one of those without starting from scratch. So you could save it as Facebook, and then you could hop over and do a Twitter or an Instagram. You could use the same thing for BookBub. Now, BookBubs are really small. They're just 300 by 250 pixels. So you really want to be careful that you don't put too much in there because it's small.
3: Yeah, yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. Uh, BookBub ads are, are something that uh, relatively newcomer to the paid advertising scene. But I know that there are a lot of authors who are trying them out and some are, are, are having some great success. Um, what about BookBub, BookBub specifically? Well, that's a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> do, you, do you see certain types of imagery working better on BookBub ads than, than others?
1: For BookBub, I would want to suggest that your book cover takes up about half of the image because it's so small that you want it to be big enough. And the straightest facing book as possible is the clearest and the crispest, I guess, for when you when you have that ad downloaded. The things that are in an angle sometimes tend to get more pixelated.
3: Ah, yeah, that would make sense because it's so small, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's talk uh, for a minute about the uh creative trends um so i know like f- book covers for example book covers when i came into the industry in 2009 2010 those book covers look very different than than book covers today now i'm, I'm speaking primarily of independently published books but i think uh, across the board book covers styles tend to tend to change and evolve uh, so what are the trends you're seeing whether that's in in covers or or advertising images uh in, and as we record this in, in you know, early 2020, just so people know what we're talking about, uh, what, what are the trends or, or, or fads that you might be seeing?
1: I actually think it's interesting because you see a little bit of everything. Everybody has their own unique style, and I think maybe um, years ago there was a lot more cookie cutter type. You had the uh, swashbuckling romance guys, and then the western books, and now there's such a hybrid. You know, you could have paranormal sci fi romance, and that's just one book, and so you'll have this um, conglomeration on the cover. So I think maybe the trend is that there are so many different things. There's almost not a trend because it's. Um, so much variety.
3: yeah, yeah, I, I, I've seen too that one of the one of the areas, one of sort of your new initiatives at Bookbrush is animated book covers. And this is something that I've seen come up every, it seems like almost every couple of years because we've had the animated gifts for a long time. Uh, and that's not the, necessarily the same thing, but um, this trend towards animating covers, um, you guys clearly think there's some value there. So can you talk a little bit about that initiative and what what you're seeing early on?
1: Absolutely. So first of all, we have a, a, piece where you can add video effects to your image. And that's um, a great way to catch somebody's eye. That's in an ad. So you can add this motion. And then we were thinking, well, you know, the motion catches the reader's eye. Let's build on that. These people have awesome book covers. And I'll tell you what, some of those sci-fi and sparkly ones really lend themselves to that. But our graphic designer can animate most any type. They'll just take some features from that book cover. And it's it's taking off nicely because people are really interested in having that because you Can put it anywhere that you would post a video. So you could have it on your webpage. You could put it in your newsletter. Any place like that, and your your cover just shines. It's it's eye catching.
3: Yeah, this might be a little a little technical, but I'm I'm very curious about this. So, is it a movie file or an image file?
1: It downloads as an MP4. Okay. So any anywhere that you would put that, um, I think that. Let me think. Cause I'm not the one that does these, you know, um, when you download your video, um, image in book brush, it's an MP4. And I think that's correct. I'll have, and I'll send you a note if I'm wrong after the, okay. after the fact. Yes. Yeah. Because I don't actually create those. <laughs> yeah,
3: no, that that's fine. Uh, but so it would loop, I would assume too, right? Mm-hmm. It has, yep. um, like, a, okay. Yes. Okay. Yes.
1: That um, I know it does loop.
3: Yeah. And if, um, if an author has, say, access to Photoshop layers, um, is that something that can be used in the animation? Or do you just need to just a flat, compressed image file and just go from there?
1: All they would send in is their book cover. That's it. Oh. And then we can do some magical things in the background.
3: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Keep those proprietary secrets hidden. Don't tell us how to do it.
1: Yeah, I actually don't know either. So I, <laughs> it's pretty easy for me to keep it a secret. That's probably why they didn't tell me.
3: <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Um, I, I noticed too, that book Brush, uh, there's a, there's sort of a core group of you who, um, are working, um, under, under titles like author crafted and author reach media sort of what, how is book Brush positioned amongst these other, uh, initiatives that you are all part of?
1: You know, it's so interesting how we even came to be book brush. So I'll give you the little snapshot of yeah. that. We started as um, an email service for authors. We were going to be author reach, like a MailChimp for authors. And it turns out that we built this little image creation piece on the side. And the authors told us that was really the coolest part of what we had. And so we decided to um, turn off or not go the route, the path uh, for the email service for authors and build out this image creation and it was called cover sell books and so we went that route for a while went to a conference and we were just doing the marketing images And folks said, we love your product, but the name just really doesn't jive because we didn't do covers. And so we took a deep breath and said, "Okay, we're going to rebrand. And we became Book Brush because it really seemed like it embodied what we had to offer more. And then here we go. Now we do have a cover creator that we added because folks were using it and the tools to make the images. And they said, you know, we would love to be able to make our own covers with this, too. So we've come full circle on the cover part. and in that, we kind of named the whole thing Author Reach Media. So, for example, that's my email and things like that. But they, that uh, is the overarching name that owns the book brush and then is involved with Author Crafted and some of the other pieces like that. We're always looking for interesting ways to work within the author community and the author niche.
3: Now, were you, were you part of the organization at the time of this pivot from, from the mailing list to the, the image creation?
1: from a part-time perspective. So it was my side hustle then. <laughs>
3: okay. So can you tell us a little bit about that? I mean, what was that like? That that couldn't have been an easy decision.
1: Uh, no, it wasn't. But I'll tell you what, when Mark Dawson's group says, you should change your name, <laughs> you take a deep breath and say, that's probably a pretty good idea. That's what we should do. It was at the NINK conference in um, Florida in the fall of 18. So September of 18. And the other two guys were there, um, two of our our co-founders, and they um, did the presentation. And that's when the group said, this is a really cool tool, but your name is just dumb. And so um, rebranded, took a deep breath and decided to rebrand. So I was part of a lot of that stuff, but didn't go full time until um, the next, until 2019.
3: That sounds like such an important lesson for independent business owners and Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs to hear that you um, had you locked in on your, on your goal or your, or your sort of one outcome of building uh, an email list service for authors, you would have completely missed this opportunity.
1: Absolutely. And this has turned out to be really cool.
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, I I certainly don't expect you to promote competitors, but are there other people doing this? I I didn't seem to find any.
1: Nothing that has all of the same things that we have. So we have one little piece called instant mock-ups and there are over 400 real life images that you just drop your book in. And there are other services that have that. And then, you know, to make uh graphics, there are other services that have that. But as far as one place that has everything together, I think we might be the only one.
3: Yeah. I, I was recently uh, before I found book brush was making an ad and I had to in Photoshop, I had to like skew the cover to fit it on the screen of an iPad that was sitting in a woman's lap. And I was like, oh, this is a nightmare. Like, I
1: don't want to have to do that. Well, it's either that or you hire some woman who's willing to put your book on her iPad and sit in a <laughs> coffee shop and you can take 200 pictures and hope one's really great. Yeah. So, I, I mean, either way, that's daunting.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, so for maybe, maybe uh, people who don't know, what we're talking about is the ability to take your cover and superimpose it on a real photograph in, in real life. So whether that's a woman in a coffee shop or a man standing in a library, uh, wherever you see the, the the cover of the book or the device, that your cover would appear on there.
1: And it's great because they're suitable for just about any genre because you have real-life situations and people in real life read a whole wide variety of things. And so a coffee shop can be just about any book.
3: Yeah, yeah, fantastic. That's great. Uh, any other uh, trends? I mean, we talked about the animated book covers, uh, talked about sort of combining genres. Are there any artistic or stylistic trends that you're seeing, whether that has to do with colors or typography or, or anything like that?
1: I think that um, as far as when you do a call to action on your ads, the trend is to make it kind of a tempting color, something bold that stands out. Uh, I was just talking to somebody else and we talked about how on Amazon, that buy button is like so temptingly, awfully orange the next thing you know, you've bought something. And so similar to that in your ad, make your buy now button or something like that, a bright color that stands out so that you can get people's eye. You know, you only have so many seconds and I don't have the the uh, studies that say, but you have, let's say just a few seconds to catch somebody's eye. You want your ad to be the one that does that.
3: Yes, yeah, absolutely. If, if you want to sell books or if you want effective ads, that's what you need. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, I, I think, uh, you know, you've you've been uh, in and around this space for a while now, and um, I'm always uh, really excited to hear from people in the industry as to uh, what they think is coming. So there's no right or wrong answer to this, but from from your position, a nice way to kind of round out our conversation here is where do you think the publishing industry is headed?
1: It's really an interesting time. So it's hard to know for sure what, you know, what's coming next. We um, added a box set creators to help people who don't have their books. Um, They have series, but they don't have them in a box set. So we were hoping this might be a trend where folks could create that. Uh, It's a lickety split. You just create your spines, add your book cover, and you can mark it as a box set because we felt that was something that was kind of coming as a trend. And that's another piece that... Um, There's nowhere else you can make a box set like that.
3: Yeah, excellent, great. Um, As far as what you're hearing from authors, are are there um, as they're looking to the future, are there certain services of BookBrush that they're utilizing more than others? Um, uh, You know, just traffic wise.
1: I feel like different pockets of our authors have different favorite features and so I have a session called book brush 101 where I um, go over everything and most of the time we have existing users come in and take that session it's it's a free session but it helps them get a little more idea what we have to offer and most of them come to me afterwards and say well I didn't know I could do all those things I've been over here just making this you know I came here for the instant mock-ups and I didn't realize that you have whatever these other things are and so um I think although there are trends, um, whatever's new, so our cover creator is the newest, that's been pretty popular, but you have these loyal people who are just like, they're here for this other thing and that's what they use. So I think that um, the trends go in different directions.
3: Fair enough, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's, a, it's a great tool. I'm, I'm looking forward to jumping in and I'm sure a lot of authors are really gonna benefit from it. All right, there is the incredibly normal Kathleen Sweeney from Bookbrush.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, a couple things jumped out at me, and, and and you know, it's it's funny because she brought them up, you know, but it's stuff you sort of stumble into when you're creating ads for yourself. And and the first one was just that ads are too wordy. Yes. Um, I, I, I see that all the time you know like people just create these ads and you know they're just chocked full of words and like your eyes try to take it in but it's just it's too much um, and i kind of learned that because one of the things that I, I do is when I see reviews I've, I've got an intern that goes out on um, Goodreads for example um, and when reviews come in on some of my books he'll take those reviews and do a little quick cut, cut and paste and put them out on Facebook and on Twitter and, and things like that and we noticed that the clickback ratio was far better when we cut those reviews down to a few words you know, so even if the person had, you know, like two or three, like really strong sentences as far as a blurb goes, if we could drill that down to just two or three words, like it got clicked on far more often than the, the full, you know, phrasing. Um, so it's important to really drill that down. And I, I guess it has, just has to do with the way our brain processes these things. I think it, it's just, if it's too much noise, I think we just tend to gloss over all of it.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. And she gives some great tips on, on ways you can use imagery instead of words to, to get across the same information. Yeah. Have you tried animated covers? I've never tried that. I have not, and I was really intrigued by that. The only the only thing about that that gave me a little bit of hesitation was that it creates a video file instead of a, a picture file. Right. So I, if they could make like an animated GIF, that would be super cool. Um, but I, I think those animations are actual movie files. Yeah,
2: I'm wondering if it can be done, um, like on Facebook, you can do A and B testing with your ads. I wonder if you could do you know, like a static file for the A and the, the movie file for the B. Um, I I know Kuntz with, um, you know, he's a Thomas and Mercer, which is the Amazon imprint. Um, They've been animating everything for him. So if you go to any of his his books, you know, the Amazon page, the cover is animated there. He's actually got titles where, you know, inside the book, there's animated graphics. um, So they're doing a lot of experimentation with them. Um, it, it's definitely eye-catching. I mean, I've seen it, you know, just flipping through, you know, just various feeds, you know, and it does grab your attention if you're scrolling through, like, Facebook really quick and all of a sudden something, because they, they autoplay whatever type of file they are. Right. Um, unless you turn that function off. So, I don't know. I'm going to go out there and give it a try just to see what happens.
3: Yeah, I remember, this was probably going on five or six years ago, maybe, Joe Conrath was experimenting with animations, both on the cover and inside the book. He, I think he might have been ahead of the curve, but I, I agree that uh, I think that, You know, when you're looking for ways to catch attention or grab someone's attention, not not a full-blown, you know, uh, action-adventure explosion scene, but just slight animation, you know, the background shifting, like clouds moving past a moon. I think those kind of subtle
2: animations can be really powerful. Yeah, it's just like the, you know, less words is more thing. I mean, I think the subtle animation, just a little, you know, little shimmer in the back or whatever it might be, just something to grab your eye um, is, is is far better than, like you said, like it could be a full-blown movie file. And I think that you would gloss over where, yeah. where you, you know, you, you gravitate towards that one little thing that, that catches you. Um, but it's definitely worth giving a shot. I mean, book brushing in general, I just, I absolutely love them. Like you said, at the beginning of this, they, they figured out, you know, they found their niche. Um, they, and every time authors need something, they're very quick to get it into their system, you know, creating professional looking ads that you can do it in a couple of clicks. Uh, I, I, I love it.
3: Yeah. It sounded like, uh, Mark Dawson gave them some really good advice early on because <laughs> yeah, they were the headed towards a, an email service or something was like where they were originally going. And he, he said, no, 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 you gotta, you gotta do this thing over here. And, uh, that worked out well for him.
2: Yeah, Absolutely.
3: Cool. Well, uh, hopefully uh, you guys can go check out Book Brush, give it a shot. Uh, th- I think there's a, a freemium or a free trial version. Uh, you'll love it. Definitely check. You'll use it so much. Uh, definitely recommended. We both use it. So hopefully you'll uh, enjoy that.
2: All right. Who do we have next week?
3: Next week, we have Eddie Generous coming up. He is the publisher of the Unnerving Magazine. And I think he's got a podcast that goes along with it. And uh, he's a cool guy. He he really focuses on sort of dark, quirky short fiction, and that's what Unnerving Magazine is. And uh, it's going to be fun to talk to a, a real, pure, independent um, what like one man show. Like he, you know, he is not a he's not a big time publisher, but he uh, he's kind of does everything himself. And uh, it's really good stuff. Uh, it's going to be a fun fun interview. Nice. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, to our listeners, make sure you go to writersincpodcast.com and grab the free revision masterclass where you can see the storytelling process from beginning to end. We'll see you next episode and have a great week of writing.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Writers Inc. Access the show notes and leave a comment at writersincpodcast.com.